How much for Sue? Thank you for the gifts that you've endowed her with. I thank you for the study that she's put in and thank you that she's been listening to you. And we pray now that you will give us open ears and open hearts as she brings your word to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to just say, I'm absolutely wrapped with stomach cramps. And I really feel... Um, I really feel an opposition against giving this word today. So more than anything, I am determined to give this word today. Um, and as most of it's on fasting, I think it's interesting that I am absolutely racked with stomach cramps. So we're looking at Matthew um, chapter six this week. And Jesus here is giving the disciples a pattern He's giving them a pattern of three parts. He starts off with this opening sentence of, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And then he gives us this template in three parts. In verse two, it's giving. In verse five, it moves on to praying. And in verse 16, it moves on to fasting. And there are the same echoes that run through all three of them. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter four, it talks of a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I believe that that metaphor has lots of applications. So for example, I believe that a wife and a husband with God in their marriage is a three-corded strand. It's, 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 it's as strong as you can get. But I think here we also have three interwoven strands of a cord, and it's something that we should be looking at and something that we should be doing. It's interesting because when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says, when you give to the needy, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. So I think there's actually an expectation from Jesus that we should be doing these things. It's not like an optional extra, it's not like an add-on you become a Christian and if you feel like it, you can do these things. I think that's something that should be interwoven into our lives. So today's talk's gonna to be really easy. Three parts, giving, praying, fasting. But because we have covered giving in the different Pledge Sundays, we've covered praying with Graham, promoting the Try Praying, I'm only gonna to touch on those two just for a couple of minutes. And the bulk of the talk, it's a bit top heavy, I'm sorry, but the bulk of it is gonna be on fasting because I believe that is where there's more, there's more that we can, we, can, we can share. So giving. Jesus talks of giving in secret. It's interesting because I think he looks deeper than the gift itself. I think he looks at the motivation behind the giving. In the parable of the widow's offering, you have the widow who has hardly any money, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and you have the rich person who puts into the offering tray. And the rich person puts in and makes a big show of it. And then the, the widow comes along, and she puts in two bronze coins. And Jesus says, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now the reality is, in monetary per value, she hadn't. But they had put in, and it was like, it was like, a, like an, an advertisement for them, it was like edification for them. She had put in 
and her concern was where the offering was going. So it was the motivation, it was the heart attitude of the giving that God was looking at. And that's all I'm going to say on the giving. Praying. I'm going to look at the Lord's Prayer, something we will have all recited, I dare say, umpteen times from childhood. I'll read it out. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I stopped then because I still have it programmed as a child with the word trespasses in, and I still automatically revert back to that. But a lot of us, we would have had that at Sunday school, and we'd have said it over and over and over again. But have you ever looked at it through adults' eyes? Have you ever scrutinized it? Have you ever dug into it a little bit more? If you look at the Lord's Prayer, it opens with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Top priority, hallowing God, giving him the praise, giving him the glory, recognizing his sovereignty. It comes down, next one, your kingdom come, your will be done. Have you ever noticed that God's will comes before man's earthly needs in the prayer? There's a template there. There's something for us to follow. God's will. And it, this is something where I fall down and, and I'll often sit down and I'll, I'll go to pray to God and it'll be like a personal shopping list of can you help me, can you help my kids, can you help my hubby, can you But really, I believe Jesus wants us to think outside of the box, to think of those people that John just mentioned who are persecuted. What is God's will in that situation? Have you noticed as well, it's our Father, give us, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. There are no singular pronouns, it's a communal prayer. So when we go into into a secret place and we shut the door, we can pray as a member of God's family, as a community. It says, give us each day our daily bread. And I do believe that yes, we should take it to God and yes, we should look to God for provision for the food on the table for the income. But do we look to God spiritually for feeding each day? Do we open up this book every day and spiritually feed on his word? Just before the um, bit in scripture on the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives this very interesting line He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling. Um, Where I come from, you'd have said a bibble in a can, somebody who just goes on and on and on. And when I I read that, it brought to mind the film Bruce Almighty. And for those of you that haven't seen the film Bruce Almighty, Bruce Almighty's having a bit of a ding-dong with God, and he's basically saying, you're doing a rubbish job. This is just rubbish. And God says, well, I tell you what, you think you can do better? Have the job for a day. It's all yours. So Bruce says, yeah, fine, piece of cake, can't be that difficult. And he turns on his laptop or his computer and he goes into his email box and it comes up with, and I'll have to give him, make the figures up, but something like, you have three million prayer requests. 
So he opens up the first prayer request and it's something like, can I have a dog for Christmas? Yes, send. Then he looks at the second one and it's something to the effect of, can I go to the Christmas disco? And he goes, yes, send. And then he realizes in the time that he sent those two, that actually like, something like another 6,000 have joined his inbox. And it suddenly dawns on him how many prayers there are. So he thinks about it for a minute and he does a bit of an on-block answer and he ticks them all and he says, yes, you can, send. And they all go and, the, and, the, and, and it clears. And then it shows you the next morning the headlines of the newspaper. And it's something to the effect of 2,000 people win the lottery, what were the chances of that? And yes, God is interested in everything in our lives. But if we had an audience with the Queen, I think we would filter through what we felt was really, really important. And when we sit in prayer in the presence of the King, I think that is what Jesus is getting at here. To to really think about what it is we're sharing with him. So that is all I'm going to say on praying. Short and simple, but we're going to move on to fasting. As I say, Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Personally, I think that it's something that he expects us to do as children of God. So what is it and what isn't it? Fasting. It's suppressing the physical to heighten the spiritual. Biblical fast is refraining from food for spiritual purposes. In the book of Romans, Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we all, I think, automatically think of doing good deeds for that. We think like, okay, volunteering for Christmas together, volunteering to help with a coffee. And yes, we can give our bodies and we can, we can, we can do good deeds to, to become a sacrifice, but also we can give our bodies as a living sacrifice through discipline. We can discipline and fast, and that also makes our bodies a living sacrifice to bring about something for the kingdom of God. I've written down, basically, if it means something to you, it means something to God. You might only give up chocolate, but if chocolate means something to you, I think he appreciates it, it means something to him. Forget food, focus on prayer. Prayer has to be interwoven. The reality is, if, if, if there's no prayer, it's just dieting. And I was so pleased that James turned to prayer when he was hungry. And that is the reality, is instead of feeding on, on, on the dinner table, go and feed on the word of God at a mealtime. Every time you have a hunger pain, trigger that thought. It did with James. It took him beyond, beyond his own community. It took him further afield. Part of fasting is that normal activities, like watching the TV, like sitting on the internet, fade into the background because the whole point is, is to communicate with God. The reality is, by not using our mobile phones for 24 hours, that is not biblical fasting. It's a consequence of fasting because those things should move down the line. They're less important. The focus should be God. The focus should be taking things to Jesus in prayer. Saying that, I did have a look through scripture and I have found one other form of fasting where um, along with the abstinence it recommends 
um, praying. Now, I'm not going to go over it. I'm not going to talk about it. But it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, for anybody who's taking notes. And all I'm going to say is that most married couples might prefer giving up food. That's all I'm going to say. So, why is it food? The reality is, it started with food. It started with a bite of an apple in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve's lack of control over their flesh opened the door to temptation. When we fast, we aren't undoing that. Only the cross, only Jesus on the cross undoes it. But we're taking a stand. That is the reality. When we say we aren't going to eat, we're taking a stand against that. In Genesis chapter three, with one bite, Adam and Eve ate their way out of house and home. They were kicked out of the garden. I believe that God kicked them out of the east side, stood two angels on guard and said they're not allowed back in. And to a degree, that price is being paid since, but I looked through scripture and I thought, would, would, would I have been any different? And the reality is none of us would have done. Because again and again, through scripture, temptation is there for food and, 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 and it, people fall down. Samson couldn't resist his honey. Esau sold his birthright for a meal. He was due to inherit two thirds of his father's property. He was, and, and, and he gave it away for a stew. We wouldn't have been any different. In Sodom and Gomorrah, amongst the other things, the sexual idolatry, they're accused of fullness of food. I think the reality is they were guilty of gluttony. And that's quite scary when you think in the West of the obesity problems that we have. The reality is, if you take on a fast, I can almost certainly guarantee you'll be invited out for a meal, a dinner party, a birthday, because that is what will happen. The enemy will come against it. The enemy will try and break it. So why do we do it? What is it about fasting? I've put down, I believe it nurtures an intimacy with God. In Psalm 42, David says, deep calls to deep. And I think when we fast, there's, there's something deep in our spirit that connects deep within God's spirit. I believe when we fast, it brings wisdom. Certainly from my perspective, it's definitely brought revelation. In Daniel, in chapter 10, it said when he fasted, it brought wisdom to Daniel more than anyone else in the empire. And I do believe that God gives revelation when we honor prayer with a fast. I also believe that fasting makes us more sensitive to the voice of God. When Jesus was a baby and he was taken to the temple and he was days old and it was for the, um, the, the ceremony and, and he was gonna be circumcised and um, an offering was gonna be given for him, two people spotted that baby days old was the Messiah of the world. One was Simeon and one was the prophetess Anna who was in her 80s and she prayed and she fasted. And she saw Jesus and she recognized he was the Messiah and immediately she gave thanks and praised God and told everybody around her, this is the Messiah. Now think how many people, hundreds of people, crowds, Mary and Joseph would have carried Jesus through. 
And one of those two people we know was fasting. So I do believe it makes us more sensitive to the voice of God. I believe it releases spiritual power. In scripture, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, the, the disciples, they, they couldn't throw a demon out and they go to Jesus and say, well, why, why couldn't we chuck him out? What was going on? And Jesus' answer to them is, that kind only comes out by praying and fasting. I've put down, if, if we're in a, 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 a spiritual battle and it's warfare, this might not be the best way to describe it, but it's like spiritual ammo. Like you wouldn't send an army to war with guns without bullets. Fasting is like a bit of extra oomph, it's a bit of extra clout. Probably not the best wording, but that's, that's how I kind of feel it adds to it. As I look through scripture, for example, to, to, to Jesus has given it, given it here, and I wanted to see it threading through scripture. I, I am inspired by the um, Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. I did a little fasting Hall of Fame because I was quite getting into it. Um, Mark mentioned Esther. You know, the Jews were about to be annihilated. What was her response? Was it to take up arms? No, it was to fall to her knees and declare a fast. Ezra in the Old Testament, he's about to take the Israelites back to Jerusalem from one country to another. They're about to walk miles. It's gonna take them months. They'll be small children and they'll be elderly people. They'll be vulnerable on the way. What was his response before they set out? They prayed and they fasted. The nation of Israel in Judges, seeking wisdom whether to go to war or not. Before they did, they prayed and they fasted. Jehoshaphat, Old Testament, was about to come under attack. What did he do? What was his response? He cried to God, called the nation to prayer and he fasted. It's interesting, even Hannah when she was barren, desperate for a baby, didn't know what to do. And it says in scripture, she was noted for her prayer and not eating. So fasting is through all of scripture. Jesus is giving it here in, this three, in these three threads, but it's all the way through scripture, Old Testament all the way through. So I thought I'd quickly touch on three types of fast. There's an absolute fast, where you have absolutely nothing for a short period of time. Clues in the title. Wouldn't recommend it if you were elderly, if you had a medical condition. But there are other kinds of fasts that we could do. There's a normal fast, that is one that I would suggest that James does, where you don't eat between certain periods of time, but you drink water. So it might be sunrise to sunset, it might be nine till five, whatever it is. I suspect that when Jesus was in the wilderness, that was the kind of fast that he did, only had water until a certain time. But again, if medical conditions stop people doing that, you could do a partial fast. And a partial fast is where we just omit certain foods. So for example, Daniel, I don't know if you recall when he was fasting, he gave up meat and he gave up cakes, but he carried on eating vegetables. So he carried on eating all the time, but he just removed certain foods. The reality is, we see it in scripture individually and corporately and we can do it the same. We can do it individually, or we could do it as a church. Maybe it's food for thought to do it as a church. 
If we want to bring around change in Bridge North, in the country, in the world, maybe we can back it with a fast. Jeremiah, in chapter 6, verse 16, says, The Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look, and ask for the ancient pathways. Something inside me says that giving, praying, and fasting is an ancient pathway. But if I'm really honest, I think the pathway of fasting has perhaps got a little bit overgrown. It's a bit of grass on it, there's a few weeds on it. It's something that isn't, I don't think, that widely talked about, that widely done. There are other spiritual disciplines. Um, Tithing the Sabbath, maybe it warrants doing a series in the future, I don't know. But I, I do think that giving, praying and fasting is an ancient pathway, definitely. What I think we mustn't do is let it become routine. In Isaiah, in chapter 58, he says, you cannot fast and expect your voice to be heard. And the whole chapter, actually, of Isaiah 58 is it's called the, um, the true, fast, fast, true, fasting, true fasting. And it goes into it, but basically, the people had made it a routine. And they were just doing it in a, in a, in a mechanical form, a bit like just turning up to church on a Sunday, but then not giving Jesus any thought from Monday through to Saturday. It had just become part of the norm. There wasn't... There wasn't the heart or the passion behind it for it to bring about change, to to give things to God. So, Jesus spoke about it. It's throughout scripture. What's the application for now, 2016? Look at our children, look at what they're exposed to on the TV, on the internet. If I'm really honest, lyrics in some of the pop songs scare the life out of me. I'm sure many of you pray for them, but do you pray and fast for our kids? Adults, difficult decisions in life, I don't know, job mobility, house move. Most of us would pray to God about it, but would we pray and fast about it? People who we don't know, you watch the news and we see the body of a refugee toddler washed up on a beach and we might not even know their name and we might hold it up in prayer for a moment, but have you ever actually actively prayed and fasted for that family or anybody else that we see? We know that fasting breaks down demonic strongholds. Jesus said to the disciples, only that one will come out by praying and fasting. If we have darker battles, internal battles, individual battles, pornography, adultery, addictions, We give them to God in prayer, but do we give them to God in prayer and do we back it with a fast? Food for thought. I've got a little closing thought for you. When Jesus was in the wilderness, what was the first temptation that the devil gave to him? Take these stones and turn them into bread. Jesus was on a fast. The devil would have loved him to have broken that fast. He tried to draw his attention to food, to his appetite. Take these stones, turn them to bread, you know you're hungry. Fast forward 
from Jesus in the wilderness to the Last Supper. Jesus is sat around at the Last Supper and he's breaking bread and they're drinking wine. And he's telling them, I'm going to be crucified, do this in remembrance of me. But look closely at the words. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus gave, he gave his life. We know Jesus is praying because scripture tells us he's at the right hand side of the Father interceding for us. I've put the possibility to you that for the last 2,000 years he's been fasting and he's hinted at it there. And something tells me, if it's important for our Lord and Saviour, whether he's in the wilderness or now to fast, then I think it should be an important thing for us to consider. Thank you. Let's just pray.